Hi, this is James with CRS and the Proven Path Podcast. And today we have the youth of CRS, and, and that's what excites me. We've got Rob Berkland here from Minnesota, and we've got Maura Neal here from Atlanta. I'll go ahead and let you intro yourself, Rob. Thanks, James. Uh, Rob Berkland, live in northern Minnesota, about three hours north and west of Minneapolis. Uh, second home market, selling cabins to people from basically the western part of the United States. Now, th- those cabins, uh, those are cheap cabins? Is that what you're talking about? Uh, some are, and some are very expensive, which we like. Um, it's a really special place to live. Um, it's quite a mix of people that I get to spend my year with, so it's it's really fun. Maura? I'm Maura Neal from Atlanta, Georgia. I live in the northern suburbs. Um, I live in Alpharetta, and a lot of our business is relocation, technology companies, and other corporations moving into the Atlanta area. It's a great place to do business, and I also work a lot with first-time homebuyers. First-time homebuyers. Tell us a little bit about your market. What is it like in Atlanta? I work with um, both first-timers who are single and wanting to buy a condo or a townhouse inside the t- perimeter in the city limits, and I also work with a lot of young couples who are buying for the first time in the suburbs, planning for families. It's a fairly strong market. We can find a pretty decent deal for buyers under 200000 whether they want to be wow. inside or outside the perimeter. Um, most of my first-timers are under two fifty, although occasionally... They go up into the 300, 350 price range, but they can find a really nice place to live in a safe part of the city for under 200. Wow. Now, how long have you been in the industry? I started as an unlicensed assistant just after 9 11 when I was laid off from an advertising job. And I got my license in 2005, and I still work for, um, she's my partner now, but I work with the person who I started assisting, who's Pam Gebhardt. Great. Uh, Anything you're doing today different with those buyers than you were when you first started out? I think I show them a lot fewer homes. I've learned how to gauge what they're looking for and read them better. And I've also um, started encouraging, especially first-timers who aren't really sure what part of the city they want to live in. And sometimes they think they want to live in the city, but then they're also considering the suburbs. I I convince them to drive around a lot more on their own from the listings that I've sent them and really narrow it down to where they want to live before we start looking at homes. So the time is the same, but you're just not chauffeuring around. I think so. Yeah, they're spending as much time as they would have before with me, but they're doing a lot of it on their own. And it's also getting them more comfortable with the areas, especially if they've moved in from out of state and they know they want to buy, but they don't really know Atlanta very well. This gives them a chance to drive around and see how close they're going to be to the places that they already like to go, how close they're going to be to their jobs. If it's a couple and they work in two totally different areas, how they're going to negotiate that amongst themselves before I put them in the car and we start looking at something that one of them knows they're not going to want to purchase. And the percentage of primary purchasers that you work with? versus investors? I work with 100% primary. Primary. And, and that's what I love when we get different people in the mix, because you've got Metro Atlanta, and I'm here from D.C., and Mara even mentioned a $200,000 option. That would be, what, an, an outhouse where you are, Rob? What would that be? Well, on the lake, it it's very different than the residential, but we very much have a residential component to our market. We've positioned ourselves to be the lake home specialists, and we've been fortunate to have a significant market share in that segment. Uh, but the, the, the values and, and the dollar amount, you know, 200000 will buy you a, a very nice lake lot, but not a, you know, top-tier lake lot. That would be more in the five six hundred seven hundred thousand dollars $700,000 range. Um, my average sales price is a little over 500000 And uh, we have a small team. We uh, believe in specialization. Uh, my partner, Bruce Larson, and I, we own the brokerage now. We, we left 
the biggest brokerage in our area and started our own company three years ago. And we have three buyer specialists. And last year, the five of us, we averaged about 10 million each in sales. We have about 54 million in sales, 110 transactions. And and what what's two things you've learned doing that? Now that you branched out, you became your own. Do you like it? Yeah, it's great. Um, being your own, you know, real estate is a wonderful industry because you can be your own boss. And we've been able to position ourselves to have our own company. And we've, through watching some of our friends uh, that we very much respect in the industry, we believe that there is the ability to be the superstar in your market and have your own company. And the two of the things that what I recognized, I think, is what's helped the most is we our biggest competition was within our office. We had a large brokerage and had a significant market share. And the way the company was set up, my partner Bruce owned it with another broker, and we were basically feeding the company. The leads, they weren't disseminated the way we wanted them to, to be disseminated. And we just went through, and now we get all the leads. So we've been able to capture. Were you using the broker's website back then, or did you have your own still? We still had our own. Um, you know, we're a small community, so a lot of it is past client referrals, okay? And that's a significant part of our business. 60% of our business comes from past client referrals. And they would say, go into Shores and more. They wouldn't say, go in and see Bruce Larson mm -hmm. or Rob Berkland. Go into Shores and more. And so people right, would walk, walk in, in and you're they'd walk them. in and they'd end up with other clients. And this started happening enough that we're saying, you know, something's got to give here. So we left. And the other thing that we've been able to do is position ourselves as a market leader. We almost got to rebrand ourselves. And how we did that was we hired an advertising couple, let's say. They, they owned an advertising agency. They had worked on national brands before in the airline industry. Uh, they worked for Coca-Cola National. And they had gone through the process of, you know, living in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, in the metro area. We're three hours northwest. And they went through the process of retiring, buying a lake home, and then moving up and making Cross Lake their home. And they took everybody that was part of our branding team and our marketing team had gone through that process too. So they were able to, we, we have really done a good job connecting with our clients based on their experience. And it, it was that, those two things have really, I think, allowed us to separate ourselves from the market. Now, um, average age of your, of your consumer today that you work with? Average age, uh, a lot, most of the lake homes, the upper end lake home properties are either, um, people in their 40s that have family money or their executives with corporations from around the country and then they'll be in their mid-50s to 60s and they're setting up buying their second home. The Some of the lower-end cabins are families. Uh, I'm 39, I have a, a wife, two kids, and they're, the families are very similar to my family. And they're buying more starter cabins, you know, $150,000 to $300,000, and they have very good jobs, and then they will grow from there. Um, but we also sell to the family. You know, when that executive comes up, we end up meeting their children. You know, I do and meet the kids and they're the same age and that's how I connect with them. And, and that's yeah, really use your our kids. Market. That's great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> use my kids. Uh, Maura, what's the age of yours? I think the average age of my clients is probably late 20s, early 30s. Um, the average age of my team's clients is a little older. We do a lot more corporate relocation as a team. So, I would say probably mid-40s to mid-50s. 
Okay. And part of the excitement of having you both here was to really talk about this whole quote unquote Gen X, Gen Y. Is it different? Do you have to cater a certain way? Uh, are there any valuable ideas or ways to go about it? Is it different? What are your thoughts? I think it's definitely different. I, I'm when I work with my Gen X and Gen Y clients, they're a lot more like me. They communicate like me. They're fine with texting back and forth or emailing back and forth. I have a client right now that I've I've still not met in person because they keep finding homes that they want to see and they they text it to me. I send them the listing sheet via email. They say, oh, no, no, don't worry. We'll go out and drive by it because they're looking mainly at foreclosures. So they go and drive by it and they look in the windows and they decide whether or not they want to see it. They haven't found one yet that they want to see. And this has been going on for about two or three months. And that's fine because if I don't have to drive 45 minutes to show them one property, that's that's perfect for me. But I think with um, a different generation, a, a baby boomer client, say, would not be probably okay with that process. They would want me to pick them up and bring them there and show them the home or meet them there and show them the home and tell me everything about the home. And um, Do they ride in your car or do they drive behind you? Baby boomers or Gen X? Across I? the board. Do you Most have a of the time, I... I drive my clients around. Atlanta's pretty spread out. In your car, okay. And with $4 a gallon, that's a lot of gas that we're wasting if they're following me around. So I feel like, you know, put them in the car. I didn't know if that was part of your concept of showing them fewer homes. If they're going to drive, they might not want to go see as many. James, that is an excellent idea. <laughs> I might have to do that. No. Rob, what about you? You showing on a boat or? I have in the past. You have to pick the right personality, though, to go on the boat if you get... The wrong personality style, you can waste a lot of time. But at the right moment, I won't necessarily do it on the first appointment, but when we get it down to specific homes or parts of the lake, then the, the boat's fantastic. I have the people ride with me because I believe the value that I bring to the process isn't selecting the homes. It's telling them things that the Internet can't tell them. The Internet's wonderful to get them there, and there's a lot of my sellers. I sometimes don't even meet them because they don't live in our area, and we do everything via email, texting, and communicating that way. But that's anybody can go on any of these websites, find these houses. The photography is great. The aerial photography, so much information they can find on the Internet. Where I have to differentiate myself from the market is what they learn about the area when they're with me and building confidence in the fact that, that this is the area they want to retire to or have a second home in. And you believe that happens in the car? Yes, I believe that. I don't know that. For me, it works in the car. It works face-to-face. And and it just a lot of it is referrals, and they know we our area is small. There's you know we, a small percentage of people can afford to be in our area from the metro market, and they either will know these people from the country club network they're in or the business network they're in. And if I have the ability, what I'm trying to do in the cars, I'm building rapport. I'm confirming that they're making the right decision with working with me because of the other people I know, and and I'm building confidence in them. And then I don't have the issues of other agents trying to come in. I'm, I'm building that rapport. Well, now, you also told me your buying cycle is a little bit stretched out. So from the first time you meet with them to when they buy a home, give me an average time. Is well, it days, months, or years? It can be years, really. Um, and it's even more pronounced now uh, with the market correction. Basically, what we have to sell to is the emotion of, getting in and using your property for a summer. Our season's about four months at the most, unless they're snowmobilers or they like to come up in the winter. But the true summer market's about four months. And you really, the, what we have to sell to is the emotion of 
what's another summer not having a cabin for either your children or your grandchildren? And, and those are really, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, attack the um, financial side of why would I buy now when there's more stuff coming on the market and the, and the prices are going down. And you're trying to build on the emotional side of, of doing it. It's difficult, and the process what do you do? is What's definitely one tip? drug out. Well, it, you try to get things in for a summer. You try to try to help them visualize how they will use it, how their children or their grandkids would benefit from it. And the sooner they get in there, the the more uh, attachment their kids have to the area, and it and it's easier as they get older to have them be there. The longer you wait, they get into their teens, then they get into their activities wherever they live and it's difficult for them to come up and I I use real life stories of other clients that yeah. maybe waited too long and then it didn't work out and they ended up selling the cabin so you know, the family just, memories that they can build yeah. into it and I believe I believe this uh, correction <laughs> to be uh, kind to what's going on with our economy is a game changer for my generation I, I believe that the people that are attracted to my area are looking for stability and a place that they can create memories. And that's what I play off of because I think that's the best shot I got to make a sale quick. Uh, and Maura, what, what's your average time between they start working with you and then they're moving into the house? With my first time home buyers, it's usually a couple of months. I would say generally between two and four. Um, if they know exactly where they want to live and the neighborhood and the school system, it's a little bit quicker. If they're acclimating to the area or they've only been renters and they're not really familiar with the neighborhoods, it's probably closer to four. With our relocation clients, sometimes it's two days. It's They, they fly into town on a Friday. We look at houses the rest of Friday, all day Saturday. We write a contract on Sunday because they have a family to move to town and they're corporate executives and they don't mm-hmm. have the time. But a lot of that, a lot of the prep work for that can take place in the two or three weeks leading up to that sending them listings, sending them information about the schools, sending them information about other things that are important to them, hiking trails, parks, shopping, um, and then putting all that together so that when they come into town, we're only showing them the things that specifically fit exactly what they're looking for, and that way they can see it, get in, get out of town, write the offer. Great, and that's done with uh, phone calls up front, or do you have buyer survey they fill out, or what do you have? It's it's more done um, over the phone and and sometimes via Skype, if they're comfortable with that. Um, buyer surveys, I've found that I, I glean a lot more information from talking to them because asking follow-up questions is a lot easier. When I've had them fill out buyer surveys, I feel like I'm still calling to ask follow-up questions. And then if they're a certain type of executive or personality type, they feel like, well, why didn't you ask me this on the survey I just filled out? Now you're wasting my time. So I'd rather have 15 minutes of their time where I can kind of dig deep and see what's important to them. And then if it is a family situation, I always like to also talk to the spouse um, because it's more often than not there's conflicting wants and needs and trying to figure out who's the decision maker and whose wants and needs are going to be put as more important. And oftentimes it's when it's with our relocation clients, oftentimes it's the wife because she's the one who's going to be home the most. Right. If she's if she's not the executive, if the husband is the executive, when we only talk to the husband, we end up having to backtrack and, and redo things for the wife. So Yeah, you, you waste away one or two days right. with them in town. And if that's their only weekend in town, then we've, we've really messed up. So we generally try to talk to both spouses. And sometimes um, we've ended up talking to teenage children as well. If they're in high school and they have specific sports or activities that they're interested in, we try to steer, steer them towards certain school districts where we know those things are strong. Um, that's less often, but it has come into play a couple times with 
varsity football and varsity wrestling kids who need a strong team. And so we try to connect them with coaches ahead of time and it helps them parents make the decision. I love the fact that my hope was that we were just going to bust through this myth that they always had to be in your car. And we have two young realtors that are both saying, I swear by it, they got to be in the car. Um, when I first started out, I was taught that. I was trained that. I grew up in the business, and, and, and they ride in your car. Uh, now, it's a little bit different with Rob because he's in that resort market, and it's probably a little of the pandering. You probably have to. Uh, in a metro area like D.C., it's been amazing to me. Uh, we don't have to do it anymore. We can have them follow us. Like Maura said, it's a great idea. Have them drive the neighborhoods. You can accomplish the same, and that rapport is built at that first counseling session and inside of every home. Mm -hmm. uh, so there, there's, there's no right or wrong way. Let me ask you this. What are some other things that, that we can kind of think about where we think other people do it this way? This is the way that realtors listening to this podcast right now have always done it. Talk to me about how are you generating referrals with your past clients? I know most people would say it's over 60%. Uh, is there one simple way you're doing it, Maura? We, it's a lot of face-to-face -face for me. And face-to-face -face doesn't have to be in person. Um, I also think that in some ways face-to-face -face is on Facebook. You know, I leave video messages on people's walls for their birthdays. And I, um, if I know that someone's had a baby recently who was a past client, I send them a, you know, a note or put something on their Facebook wall, which generates a conversation that can then turn into coffee or lunch or some kind of a face-to-face -face visit. Um, so you're using the old tool of what we always called Ford, family, mm -hmm. occupation, recreation, and dreams, and you're doing it right through the, the live stream of Facebook. Yes, for sure. And and we do a lot of, you know, we do some of the, you know, Buffini-style pop-bys, um, which I'm less comfortable with. I feel like I want to have an appointment. I don't want to just call and knock on a door. But we do little drop-off gifts, you know, or tips or items of value, whatever you want to call them. Um, we do a customer appreciation party still. We've toned it down as the economy has has affected our business, but we still, we tie it in with our um, annual event for, to send care packages to the troops. So it's got a feel-good element, but it's still putting us in front of our clients. And we get fewer who come than when we used to do a big sit-down dinner. From the pop tent to the camping tent? Is that what we were at? Yeah. But I think <laughs> that um, the ones who come are still our biggest yeah. referrers. So it's fine that we're that we're getting less attention or less attendees and because that means we're spending less, but we're still getting the same, if not more, referrals because it's still a touch. That and we're do making. you believe you get them as a result of that party? So if you cancel the party, would you still get them? Or is that such a big avenue of getting referrals that you'll continue the party for years to come? I think we'll continue it, especially now that we've um, joined it with our um, trick or treat for the troops. You know, we were doing them as two separate events and consolidating them into one helped from a time standpoint. Um, having to plan two things that were back to back months was just. So it's a, a Halloween party, is that right? It's in October. It's a cookout. Um, it's on the lawn of our brokerage. It's um, well, now it'll be at our new brokerage because um, we just switched. But um, it's a cookout. We're gonna, we're thinking about doing a bouncy house thing this year. Which so do you bring it up? Is there ever a conversation of hey, generate me some referrals? I mean, is it ever brought up, or it's just a natural? Hey, Maura, so and so is moving. You need to call him. Um, I think it's a little bit of both. Um, with, with my clients that ref specifically refer me business, um, I don't give an ask as much as I think my, some of my partners do with their clients who are a different clientele. Um, I just think that I've made an impression on them as the first person they've ever worked with. And so they think of me when they hear friends and colleagues talking about purchasing. 
if I know that they're in a situation where they're going to have more opportunity, like I have a client right now who's in the junior league and all those girls are getting married and buying houses. So I have specifically said, Hey, you know, join the junior league, (laughs) James, you need to join the junior league. Um, but I think it depends on the client, but I don't make the ask as much as my partners do. Um, I think it comes kind of more organically Hmm. for me. Great. Rob, you think James could be the mascot for the junior league? That'd you know, I'm good. trying out next month, actually. Yeah. I just put that on the list. I've seen your moves. You can do it. <laughs> uh, for us, it's a lot of the basic things of, um, you know, we use social media to stay top of mind with people. You know, send them pictures of the area or things that are going on to update them. Uh, but a lot of it is our newsletter. Uh, it's part of that being the market leader. Um, we send letters and we hand address the envelopes. Who to writes the newsletter? Uh, we do. Bruce and I write it with the help of our office manager. Uh, she's been with us about 20 years now. So she's very good. And she uh, was went through the whole process of our branding. And we're very um, specific on the language we use, how we write things, the fonts we use, the colors we use. It's all... There's all a plan. It's Give pretty Give me an amazing. example of the language. What does that look like? Well, it's more, you know, we're, we're honest with our people. Um, we tell them what's going on with the market. And they, a lot of people respond to us or stop us on the street or call and say, you know, we don't always like to hear what you're telling us, but you're telling us the truth. And I think that's really important. And we ask for referrals. We tell them. You know, there's great opportunities out there for your friends and family, and we definitely would love to work with them. And we're very upfront and, you know, honest with what we say. Uh, we try to balance that with good news, uh, but it's, you know, it's been very difficult the last three or four years. Our market's down 40% in value, uh, but people are making really good, sound decisions. Uh, and we've been able to really get a lot of our sellers and and get our buyers into fantastic properties. So there's there's opportunities out there. Um, you know the language and and you know, I can't give you a specific example, uh, but I know that basically how we write things is Bruce and I put our thoughts down. We just kind of throw things out there and mind map it out and, and throw it out and kind of write it, and then Debbie kind of takes our thoughts and and designs it and. She reviews the past letters that we've written so that we're not duplicating what we're saying or we're not sounding repetitive. And it's just a, it's more being conscious, conscious of what you're saying and how you're saying it. So especially if there's younger agents, not so much in age, but they're just starting in the business, how do they start generating these referrals? So let's just say we, we take you out of the forest, out of the woods. We take you out of Atlanta. We put you both in new markets. What are the first two or three things you're going to do to actually generate business, referrals, whatever it is today? That's a great question. Um, I, think, I think about that a lot. Um, I, I believe that you have to develop relationships. And when you're starting out in business, you have to uh, find areas of the community that you have common ground with people. It could be your church. It could be a volunteer organization. And building, spending time with people that you like to be with and then building their trust by being who you are. And then from that point, you're communicating with them on who you are, but truly being consistent. I think the biggest thing for anybody in sales is the, the person you are, who you project to be, 
they can't be surprised when they walk in the office mm-hmm. and meet with you. You have to be consistent on a day-to-day basis, and you have to, at times, you have to make tough decisions on, you may walk away from a sale, but you have to be there to build a business. So the, the advice I would get is to get involved with things you like, find neighborhoods that you like to work, and build the business one handshake at a time, communicating with people, and using social media as another way to bring people to you and to communicate with people, but never lose sight of who you are and and be consistent on a daily basis. Because it's very tough right now, and you've got to make tough decisions, and there's a lot of quick opportunities out there for agents, but I don't think long-term that Mm. does anybody any good. Yeah, more. I'm not sure what else I can add to that. I think definitely... um, Getting in touch with people face to face and building relationships is the key. You know, I use a lot of social media. My team does not as a whole, but I do. But it's really just building on what you're doing face to face. You know, if I'm hosting a tweet up at a new restaurant, I'm getting to know those people in person and then I'm following up with them via Twitter or Facebook and cultivating future clients. So, you know, social media, obviously, I think Gen X and Gen Y, like we were talking about before, I think we get a lot of, um, slack from others in the industry that we're preaching that it's the wave of the future or the way to go. And I think most of us who use it consistently know that it's a way to just have one more layer of communication. Mm -hmm. So if you were to drop me down in a new market, I would be out there finding, you know, people that I could connect with, people that I have things in common with, getting to know them, getting involved in an organization that interested me, and then also putting that information out on Facebook and Twitter and my blog that this is something that I was doing. And Kissing babies, shaking hands. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. It's been a pleasure having Rob and Mara here. I hope you got something out of it that was different or unique that you could start doing tomorrow as you embrace this new way of doing media. This is James with CRS, the Proven Path Podcast. The opinions expressed here are the views of the host and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Council of Residential Specialists. Thanks for listening to the Proven Path Podcast. If you have any questions or topic suggestions for the show, send an email to solutions at crs.com.